Welcome to Startup Health Now. We are here with entrepreneur extraordinaire Manu Kodian, the CEO and founder of Althea Health. How are you? Good. Thanks for the opportunity to talk to you. So you are an extraordinary entrepreneur, health transformer in startup health. You just flew all the way across the country uh, <laughs> for this interview. We're so honored to be with you. Um, you are doing something that I think is incredibly important, inspiring, and, and um, really meaningful. What is Althea Health? What are you doing? What's your mission? We are a digital health company. We are also a benefit corporation, and uh, our uh, goal is to advance uh, cures for rare diseases. And it all started when my niece was diagnosed with cystic fibrosis, which is a rare disease. And uh, I started looking into the rare diseases, and I was shocked by the uh, lack of availability of drugs or uh, research. And I felt something could be done about it. So um, the first thing I did with some of my co-founders is we talked to a lot of people. We talked to pharma executives, we talked to physicians, we talked to insurance executives, and all of them very caring people. I mean, some of them my good friends, actually. Uh, but I just felt like there was a huge amount of group think happening, group think happening out there. And kind of made sense, right? I mean, highly regulated industry, highly profitable, so people don't want to kind of rock the boat, right? Mm. And uh, but all around me, I'm in particular around rare diseases. Around rare diseases, yes, yes. I mean, pharma in general is like that, but around rare diseases, uh, definitely. Um, so all around me, you know, I was seeing. Uh, basically the internet and technology changing business models, disrupting businesses. And to me, there seems to be like a kind of a perfect storm of technology changes and uh, uh, of legislative changes that are happening in healthcare. And why couldn't it be done in, uh, you know, healthcare? So that's where we said we'll start Althea Health and see what we can do out there. Very inspiring, and you know, one of the things we've found is many of the health transformers, most of the health transformers in, in startup health, there's a personal connection, a personal reason uh, to why they're doing what they're doing. So the fact that this is rooted in a personal experience with your, your niece, I think, mm -hmm. is very important because you understand from the patient's perspective and from yes. the family's perspective of what change is needed. What, what, what change is needed uh, in terms of, of curing rare disease today? Well, first thing I think what you noted, like that perspective, the patient perspective is really needed. Like I said, pharma and the industry in general, you know, doesn't want to rock the boat, right? And change will come through patients or uh, are more uh, accurately from patient groups. Collectively, patients have immense power today, but that is highly underutilized. Right? The wisdom of the crowds. It's not just the wisdom of the crowd. Think about the motivation, right? Think about a patient who has got the serious disease, but there's no drugs, and they're running from doctor to doctor. Nobody can tell them what's happening. Think about a mother who's child is dying of a disease and nobody can offer a cure. 
So that's a huge motivation, right? And how can we add that motivation? How can we leverage technology, mm. right? How can we uh, take, you know, things that have changed a lot of industries, internet, you know, like social networking, uh, and in the case of healthcare, health data aggregation, how can we take all this and create an ecosystem that supports these groups and empowers these groups at one level to be better partners with pharma and researchers, but at a bigger level, how can we create an ecosystem, right? How can we create an ecosystem that in our private enterprise kind of model rewards uh, you know, entrepreneurship, rewards uh, you know, uh, people who want to risk capital. I mean, it's all about risk and reward ratio, right? And in 1983, there was uh, legislation passed called the Orphan Drug Act. And since then, all the emphasis has been on the reward portion, right? And that has created some perverse incentives. Uh, but what we are saying is that there is you know, one more arrow that you can shoot at the problem, and that is the basically the emerging power of patients to reduce the risk and the cost element too. The emerging power of patients to reduce the risk and cost. Yeah. And one thing I think is very interesting about what you're doing is it's not just one or two rare diseases that mm -hmm. you're focusing on. Yes. How many rare diseases are there? And maybe talk about the scope of, of the breadth of, of your focus at Althea, Althea Health. <clears throat> that's 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 an excellent question, and I should you know uh, jump into that because people don't understand that this is a huge problem, right? There are 350 million people worldwide with rare diseases, 30 million in the U.S. alone, right? I mean, you look around you in your family, friends, there will be people with rare diseases, right? The problem is that in the US, a rare disease is defined as a disease with less than 200,000 patients. Because of that, pharma's business model really doesn't work well for small patient populations. The result is that 95% of the 7,000 rare diseases have no FDA-approved drug, right? At the same time, it's a big business. There's like the annual worldwide turnover for rare disease drugs is $114 billion. So it's big business. The reason it's big business is the price of the drugs. The average top 100 rare disease drugs in the US, the price is $140,000 a year. So you can see from either an affordability or an availability point of view, the status quo is not working. Hmm. So what needs to change? The groups, the patient groups themselves have more power when they're together, and Althea is helping that. Um, there's data that can come when you bring these groups together, so learning. Um, what needs to change, and, and what is your solution for, for really solving this problem? Yeah, so the problem is really simple. Like I talked earlier, right? I mean, in a capitalist private enterprise system, uh, you know, entrepreneurs and uh, capital looks at risk versus reward ratio, right? And like I mentioned before, everybody has been micro-focused on rewards, right? And that has led to 
drugs that cost half a million or three quarters of a million dollars a year. Because I understand, yes, there has to be some risk premium built in, but anybody with common sense can say that this model is not scalable. So if you look at the patient groups, they have some characteristics which are very complementary to the pharma industry, right? Um, they're willing to take any amount of risk, right? Because uh, like I mentioned, their motivation is life or death situation. Ex exactly. So, uh, so, and the other big development which we have piloted and you know, done with some groups is that today's world, uh, even small patient groups, say 200, 300, 400 people can easily raise through their own social network, through small donations. And we, you know, part of our ecosystem is we build tools across their priorities. One of them is fundraising, of course. These small groups can raise 250,000, 500,000 a year, right? And year on year when they do that, that's a lot more than NIH would fund, right? So this is a huge uh, capacity for these groups, especially now there are 7,000 groups. Imagine several hundred or a thousand putting so their money together. So 7,000 approximately yes. rare disease groups. Yes. So if, if they can in an ecosystem act in concert, then it's basically billions of dollars over you know, four or five years can be marshaled. Now, and the big thing, I talked about these groups' risk-taking ability, and I talked about the ability to raise funds, uh, crowdfunding, grant funding, and you know, from philanthropy. Um, the other big thing is that compared to pharma, uh, they have a very different attitude towards intellectual property, right? They are willing to share it. And they know that, yes, at the end, somebody has to commercialize it, right? So it has to be protected, but they're willing to share it. So then what happens for a technology company like us, that means, you know, if we have research going on in our ecosystem, information transparency means we can see what's happening everywhere, bring about economies of scale, network effects, and I can spend an hour talking about how, how you know, inefficient basic research is today, hmm. right? So one of the things I wanted to dig into a little more is there are extraordinary groups that organize uh, patients around rare disease. How is Althea different? What are you doing that's, that's new and extraordinary? Um, and I think one uh, thing is that you're looking across not just one or two, but really thousands of these rare disease groups. How, how are you different? Yeah, so the ecosystem part is very important, right? Because uh, we want to be able, we want to be a tool for hundreds and thousands of these rare disease organizations. Because you should understand, they're highly motivated, but they don't have the technology backbone. We want to be the technology backbone. We want to be their partner. But if we ha if we are uh, their partner, we can't have we have to work with them in a win-win situation. Mm -hmm. So we don't have our own websites we work with them on their website because we can never match the motivation of these patients and patient caregivers, right? So as opposed to others who, uh, you know, essentially uh, is 
become adversarial. If, I, if we create our own site, then these groups, which are very close-knit, very motivated, they have to migrate to our platform, right? So that's the difference. We work with them on their website behind, behind the scenes. So you're a platform, have solutions, have technology that all these other organizations can leverage. Yes for their patient communities. Yes, and I would want to add one more big difference uh, is that when we look at it, we've got an ecosystem approach. We want to help them in everything they do, right? Whether it's fundraising, we're doing a research program in Mayo Clinic with one of our uh, rare disease partners. So uh, we will help them across the board. Whereas a lot of the other uh, groups, I mean, uh, companies are uh, usually what happens is that everybody knows pharma is the big, you know, million pound gorilla and million pound or million dollar gorilla, right? They have the money. So most groups, most companies prematurely kind of align with pharma. And as I mentioned, pharma is very risk averse. So once you get into their ecosystem, then it's hard to make change. So what we did very early on is we decided even though a lot of people advised us against it, that we want to first figure out how can we partner with patient groups, how can we create a win for them, and then a win for pharma will follow. Mm -hmm. So what is your business model? I'd like to, to learn about this. This is, can be a sensitive topic in an area where, you know, this isn't a nonprofit. There's a real business here. You're trying to build a scalable solution that also makes an impact. I think that's a really important perspective here. Um, you mentioned uh, great partners like Mayo Clinic, and I know you, are, you work with some of the largest pharma brands in the world. What is your business model? Okay, so um, I, I think that's very important. Uh, um, that was an early decision we made. We kind of looked at if we could become a nonprofit. We talked to a bunch of uh, uh, foundations, and actually one of my friends said it best. I mean, foundations are sometimes so narrow in their focus, like this friend was saying, he's Canadian, so he's saying, you know, there will be a foundation that will only fund left-handed, blue-eyed Canadians. So <laughs> that's kind of... So we found pretty much that to be the case. And we said, and coming from a startup background and an entrepreneurial background, that didn't quite fit us well because we had these very, very large uh, vision. So we said, okay, becoming a benefit corporation is kind of the best of both worlds. So basically benefiting our constituents and the social impact we want to create is built into the DNA of our organization. At the same time, we are entrepreneurial like a startup, right? We are being funded by uh, angel uh, investors. So coming to our business model, so there's a short-term and long-term model, right? The short-term is on our ecosystem. Uh, we uh, make patient groups better partners uh, of pharma companies, mm -hmm. right? So pharma companies, because of uh, regulatory concerns, really can't uh, work very well with patient groups, or they can't work too closely. You know, patient groups, on the other hand, have all the motivation, have all the trust of patients, 
but don't have the technology capability. So we are the people in the middle who can make things work. And we can. there are many ways in which we are doing it. And we have several pilots we are discussing with pharma. Hopefully, in the next few months, you know, it'll come on board. So I want to just uh, talk a little bit about the long-term model. The long-term model is around the ecosystem, right, where we basically can f uh, kind of feed a funnel on the most risky part of drug development. And actually, uh, the patient groups have advantages not only in the drug development part, but in the commercialization part too. So a long-term model is pretty much like startup health. Right, we are kind of an accelerator for rare disease, for rare disease drug development groups. and commercialization. Very interesting. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned you've been supported by angel investors. Mm -hmm. I know you have some really great investors. Impact investors mm -hmm. would be attracted to this, I think, because of what you're doing. Um, talk a little bit about the types of partners that are right for you and, and that you care most about for uh, aligning yourself with? We have figured out how to work with rare disease advocacy groups. How can we be real true partners? Uh, we have uh, started working with pharma. Like uh, we have several uh, pilots that we are negotiating right now. Uh, we have started working with uh, something called RDCRN, which is promoted by NIH, uh, which is rare, uh, rare Disease Clinical Research Network. Okay, so the idea behind that is that how can you bring together diseases that have something in common, maybe an organ, maybe a pathway, or something like that? How can you create this cluster? Uh, they call it consortia um, of maybe researchers and stuff like that, how can you fund them together? Uh, now, what we are doing is we are in touch with these RDCRNs and we are saying, look, what you get from NIH is around you know, just the research aspect. And of course, the funding from NIH is not really too much. You need to understand when I said about how inefficient the fund, the early basic research is, it's usually pretty much lone wolf operations. Maybe it's a professor at a university right. or a doctor and one postdoc, right? Uh, so we talk to them and say, how can we engage your patient groups better? How can we get funding in from them? The idea is then, how can we want to pilot one of these clusters through our uh, you know, uh, ecosystem? So that's what's happening. So we're looking for uh, that kind of partnership. And uh, the other thing is, obviously, uh, we're looking for impact investors who are bold enough to look at this and say, hey, this is something really can be profitable and can be very impactful. I'm sure there are a lot of investors out there who are affected by rare diseases in their immediate families. Well, you mentioned 350 million people around the world, not counting their extended families. Yes. Uh, have rare diseases, mm -hmm. so this is a, a global issue. Yes. This is something that impacts um, all of our families. Um, and, and I think you're right, too few are focusing on, on these many, many different rare diseases. Sometimes mm -hmm. it's a very small population mm -hmm. that, uh, that, that have these um, rare diseases. Um, you've gotten a lot of traction, you've done a lot, you've got a lot of great partners, uh, partnerships, 
how are things going? What are some of the things that you're most proud of for where you are? And talk about where you're going next. Yeah, you know, um, now in our team, we have people from the healthcare background. But when we started, we were all people from outside healthcare. So that has its advantages and disadvantages. Uh, the disadvantage is that it, I mean, healthcare is just crazy. Uh, Byzantine. That's a good quote. Healthcare <laughs> is just crazy. Byzantine, is that more acceptable? Uh, it is. Uh, so it took us a long time to figure out where exactly we would fit in because, like, initially we started saying, how can we help rare disease patients? We know technology is going to empower them. Should we talk to doctors? Should we talk to insurance companies? And finally, we said the only people for whom uh, rare diseases has some critical mass is pharma, because otherwise they're so dispersed, they don't matter much. Uh, so um, to industry, yes, right. So so it took us a long time, but we have figured it out. So we're really proud of it. I personally have nev never done any job in my life where I felt so satisfied. And uh, I mean, I think it was kind of like a, almost you could call it a midlife crisis. Like I was wondering, what am I going to do with my life? What useful thing can I do when well, I This is your calling. This is my calling now because then my knees got uh, this disease and I felt like it's hitting so close to home and I got to do something. So anyway, we're proud about the partnerships with patient groups. We have now figured out how to work with pharma. We are talking to these cluster of diseases. So now the next thing is to take this to the next level, right? And there's one way of doing it, which is we are working with pharma and you know we can be on the slow boat to you know make revenue and then do this ecosystem, build it, because all the tools we are building is dual kind of uh, capability. Like it works for pharma now, but it will work for the patient groups too. Like for instance, pharma is very interested in finding patients. Uh, it's very costly for them because these rare disease patients, the drugs are really expensive and sometimes the lifetime value of a patient can be upwards of several million dollars. But they find it really hard to find these patients. Mm -hmm. Whereas we are creating the tools to help them find it. The same tool for patient groups are very useful to, we use social media, social networks, search engines to find these people because you know in today's world people are desperately searching for solutions long before they're diagnosed. Mm. So that's useful for patients too. So those are the kind of things we're really proud of. So finally, as an entrepreneur, what are your, your biggest lessons learned and, and wisdom that you would share with other health transformers? Uh, I think uh, healthcare is so complex, you got to keep at it. Somehow you got to find a way to keep at it, and it's good. I personally feel it's good to be an outsider because then you see solutions that the insiders don't see. So I would say bring an outside perspective and keep at it. And as long as you're doing something really useful, you'll find a way. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Manu, for, for 
doing what you're doing and for being on this journey. Uh, it's, it's hugely important uh, for the world. And, and if anyone's interested in, in connecting with you, where should they learn more about Althea Health or, or get in touch with you? Yeah, they can go to our website. and AltheaHealth.com. AltheaHealth.com and contact us. Love to hear from them. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. Have a good day. Thank you.